standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus, episode 573, coming to you on the first day of February in the year of our Lord, 2024. Or if you might prefer, election year 2024, the most the last thing election ever. Yeah, did that sound terrible? It should, because every election is the most important election ever. It never gets old. But before we get into the meat of the day, I told you I'd be back to talk about a movie I saw over the uh, downtime, and we're going to do that, and we're also going to follow up and talk some more on term limits on tomorrow's show, Friday, right? And also, just as a heads up, we're going to be talking about some troubles out in Tyler. Yes, there's some issues that are afoot out in East Texas. And even though I'm here in Collin County, it is Texas, my beloved Texas, the promised land. And if there are issues, we should talk about them more to come on that. And as always, let me remind you before I get into the meat of the topic, the best way you can help me make a difference that we can continue to grow the show that we can be heard. We can affect the outcome perhaps is to like, share, and subscribe to this program. You know, you could take my advice. You could get active as well. But in the meantime, until such time, or in lieu of, liking, sharing, and subscribing does help. Follow the program. Join me on the social media of your choice. I have a page and a group over at Facebook. Come and join me. Also dropping in at Gab and um, MeWe. Feel free to say hi there as well. And for now, I'm still allowed to have my program mirrored over at YouTube. Yes. I, 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 yeah. In any case, here we go on with the program. I ran across a movie called the private war of major Benson. It was on TM or TCM, right? Turner classic movies. I want to say it was pre, uh, played probably around the beginning of the new year. And I recorded it on the DVR for a day that I had some down that I could watch it. It's about two hours long and it stars Charlton Heston. Now I got to tell you, uh, this is probably the first comedy I've ever seen Charlton Heston. in. I mean, I'm sure I've seen another movie or he's done another comedy, but this is the first, um, what I would call lighthearted film with him in it. I mean, this is a guy that plays Ben Hur and, uh, Moses. And then, you know, Planet of the Apes and Soylent Green, not exactly known for lighthearted movies. Okay, so the premise is he's a hard-charging major in the Army. And if I remember correctly, he was a Mustang officer. If you don't know what that is, that is an officer that came up through the enlisted ranks and then usually through combat gets promoted up to become an officer. Audie Murphy would be a very noted or notable Mustang officer. There were also others, but just if you're in Texas and you don't know who Audie Murphy is, shame on you. But in any case, so major Benson, he's got 15 years in, he's a major. Uh, he, he was a combat of world war two or combat veteran of world war two and Korea. He's got his silver star, distinguished service cross and combat infantry branch. He, he's, you know, a tough guy. So in peacetime, he's leading training. And part of the training is he wants to turn basically boys to men, right? He, he wants to make them ready for battle. He understands 
what's at stake. If I don't train them now, if I don't train them well, they may not come home. And that, that really, based upon the uh, tone and the character, that's what's driving him. It, it's a heavy responsibility for his men. Now, to me, I liken it to some of the stuff that you might have seen out of Patton, right? Maybe they act out in a way that would be deemed inappropriate, but it's out of concern for their men in general. It's out of concern for, you got to be tougher than that. Maybe I'm being a little generous with Patton. I don't know, but most of his men loved him. And in this, in this uh, movie, the opposite's true. They don't like Benson because they know it's peacetime. They know this is just drilling. They see it as meaningless. They see it as a, a waste of time, right? And, and this guy has a life of battle and war, and he understands what's at play here. And he thinks that his best option is to beat this through their thick skulls, to make them understand this can be a life and death situation. You need to get it up. And of course, he has the same problem of ruffling feathers, right? Saying things that are out of place, maybe overstepping his bounds because he's in a military hierarchy. And that's very important. You don't say things about your superiors or things that contradict your superiors. They don't like that. So a course of punishment, if you will, because he's gotten run out of several things is to be essentially demoted to go run as the commandant, um, a Catholic private school for boys that has a junior ROTC program, which is a reserve officer training corp, right? And so he, he gets put in that position. Of course, he's not happy. He, he sees it for what it is. But then when he gets there, of course, there's a very pretty lady that happens to be the school's doctor. And that's where some of the hijinks ensue here, right? And he's trying to woo her while dealing with the kids and all this other stuff. And at that point, it was interesting. It was kind of fun. Of course, then he gets involved in some of the politics. And then he finds out that the mother superior is actually the general's sister that sent him there. So there's a whole lot of things going on, interestingly enough. The school's name for Sheraton, General Sheraton, by the way. Um, now, let me ask you. Can you understand why somebody that's actually lived through that might come across extremely hostile, might come across very abrasive, that, that they have this hard-bitten reality? The, the thing I liken it to is I saw an interview with R. Lee Ermey, and he was you know, he was a legitimate drill instructor during Vietnam conflict. And he said flat out that we took it very seriously. We're sending these boys over there to die. Essentially, we have to do everything we can to get it through their heads, that there are things that you need to know. These important skills or valuable lessons that can be learned here. So you don't die over there. And he said, yeah, we cut some corners. We, we, you know, got maybe a little abusive or a little aggressive, whatever terminology you might, there, there is an interviewer out there and he's pretty straight out saying, look, we know that maybe that wasn't nice or polite, but we're Marines and we don't want to send other Marines to go die. Right? So we had to do whatever we could do to make it work. And I think the other thing he references, they had cut down the boot camp from 12 weeks to eight weeks. So that really put an onus on them is to prepare these young men for battle. So 
when I'm watching this and I have that in the back of my mind and I'm seeing Major Benson, you know, kind of going off on these guys. Now, some of the things that he's upset about are kind of ticky tack, you know, really. But if you understand his mindset, where he's coming from, it makes sense why that would be important. It makes sense what his motivations are. He doesn't want his guys to die. He doesn't want his guys to suffer casualties that they don't have to suffer. Now, does he go about it the, you know, whatever best way? No. Does he maybe avoid his um, common sense human side when he's doing this? Well, clearly, and that's what the movie does bring out later on, right? He's faced with the prospect now that he's at this junior ROTC program at a private Catholic school with a bunch of young boys who can't handle or do the things that these adult men could barely do. So he has to change tactics. He has to find a way to make it work and he doesn't do it well at first and he has to stumble. And again, this is, this is a lighthearted comedy movie. So some of the hijinks, some of the changes of pace, some of the uh, things that happen are for humor, but it also puts a human side to this guy and he learns from his mistakes and he adapts, right? One of, one of the favorite things, you know, uh, Gunny Highway, we Marine adapts and overcomes, right? <laughs> That's, I, that was bad voice, sorry. <laughs> but, that's, that's what we want to see. That That's the ideal, right? And I, I was Navy guy back in the day, a couple of years. I, I relate to that. And so I saw a, a percentage of that, right? I, I don't claim to be a convict guy. I don't, I don't claim to have been overseas and done anything dangerous. I was a peacetime Navy guy and I served on a Gator freighter, which means we carted Marines around. And if we would have been in a conflict, the Marines would have been dropped off to go face the bad guys, right? We would sit on our ships in relative security. Now that's gone in today's day and age, but back, back in the early nineties, that was really the way it was. Now I was trained to protect my ship. I was trained to make sure that if we took on damage that we could fight through it and do certain things. That's all fine and dandy, but I'm not having somebody shoot at me. I'm not having somebody, you know, trying to kill me a hundred yards away or 50 yards away or five yards away. That's what the premise is with these guys that are fighting on the ground. So when I see the urgency, when I see what's at play here, it, it makes me relate to the character. Right. I can understand where he's coming from. OK, so that being said, I would tell you it was a fun movie. It was enjoyable. I, I would tell you that if you can track it down, you should watch it. But it's probably a one and done watch. Right. Um, I, certainly not in the top 10 list of any movies that I've ever watched. I, I don't dislike it. I, I found it quite charming, I guess would be the word I would use. But the, the, those were my key takeaways. That was what I felt was worthy of passing along. The other thing that is interesting, if you've been paying attention, right? If you're aware of the world around us, and, and this is going to be perhaps the opposite of the lighthearted uh, plot in the review I did. We're in a situation right now where we don't seem to be able to find enough wars or enough battles or enough conflicts. <laughs> so we have to create them or encourage them all over the world. I mean, there's at least two going on in South America. Now, I don't know if they've actually come to blows yet, but they're boiling up underneath. There's, you know, and Africa has been kind of a mess as far as 
conflicts between within the states and again uh, state against state since I can remember. And whether you want to blame that on the tribes or whether you want to blame that on the colonial former masters, right? Whatever. I have no comment on that. No, we have multiple conflicts in the Middle East between the Shia, the Sunni, and then everybody hates Israel. And then we're still dealing with the idea of Ukraine and Russia. And now apparently Sweden and Finland decide they want to get involved in NATO, which honestly makes no sense to me. But okay. And Turkey is doing different things. It's just a hotbed mess. And that's not even touching on the whole China-Taiwan problem, right? And then apparently Pakistan and India still are having stuff going on, not to mention Iran in Pakistan or Iran in India. And then it just everywhere all the time. And it, I can't help but wonder, what are we going to do? We don't have a military that is capable of defending these United States for various reasons. And look, I'm not qualified to do a threat assessment uh, or what we can do. I don't claim to be, but just looking and hearing things, I'm really concerned. I mean, we can't send enough ammunition to fight a minor war over in Ukraine because we've depleted our sources. We've shut down oil and natural gas because, you know, green and we don't have a lead smelter left in the United States. Well, because, you know, we had to sell it to China. We're just in a world of hurt. And then we've got our wide open border where we've got literally millions of people pouring across and we are not allowed to call it an invasion because they don't have a weapon on them. Well, I'm here to tell you that amount of military age men coming across in and of itself is a weapon. What do you think they did with all that money for ammunition and weapons that they spent during the previous administrations and they said it was for various government agencies. Come on. I wasn't born yesterday. Something's going on here. And while I can't necessarily say it equates to treason, it's highly suspicious. And the fact that only the alternative media is asking those questions, only the alternative media has any concern about what's going on, it's very distressing. So it was it was enjoyable to go watch this movie and give it a lighthearted Uh, tone, but it also brought home the concept that we have to be bringing up young men to be young men, to be strong men, to be willing to fight and if necessary, die or kill for their friends and their family and their community and to a degree of their own country. But we're never going to do that if we keep pumping out little soy boys that go through the government indoctrination camps that think everything that they do is wrong because they're white and male. I, I just don't see it. How are we going to get there? Now, the other aspect of this is this is a private Catholic school. Now, apparently it was filmed on a real life campus and it was back in the 50s when apparently people still invested in things like this. And the campus looked beautiful. The building looked beautiful. The, the kids, a good number of the extras in the program were actually legitimate students at the school. They looked like they were capable, right? So let me ask you, how did we go from that to the mess that we've got right now. It's been 70 years. How did we go from there to here? Who owns that? I I can't even tell you of a good Catholic school that's an all-boys school at this point anymore that actually has a junior ROTC program. I'm sure something exists somewhere. I'm 30 miles outside of Dallas. I don't know of any 
school that like that that exists. Now I know there's nice Catholic schools in town here. I'm I'm not dismissing that. But how many of them have a solid junior ROTC program that are an all-boys school? How many of them actually care about that? I mean, are there even private military schools left? Do people actually even donate and support these things anymore? I, I you ought to be concerned because I I've met a good number of young people that have come through the school districts as of late. In fact, I had an entire senior class of boys four years ago that I had more or less followed up. I got to tell you, I love those guys. I think they're going to do fine in life, assuming life keeps going on the way it is. But half of them, their major pursuit was gaming. That's what they wanted to do. I mean, they did other things. I I had four uh, long-term Boy Scouts. I think three of them made Eagle Scout. Again, that's a good thing. And some of them like hunting and fishing and that kind of stuff. Again, those are all great things. They're, they're manly boy things to do. But not of one of them. Well, I take that back. One. One guy wanted to go in the military. Now, looking at where we're at right now, I could not advise anybody to go in the military. I just, it's, it's not what it once was. I don't know that it ever will be again. But the discipline, the discipline, the practice, the the mindset, I don't see it. Now, maybe my scouts would pull it off. I, I don't know. And, I, and I'm not knocking on them. I mean, it's just the way the world is. I don't think anybody necessarily did anything wrong or they're bad kids, nothing like that. And I, I suppose when they graduate from college and they come back to town here, I'll link up with them and find a way. Maybe, maybe I can show them the few little things that I know. Maybe I can hook them up with some other people that can teach them other manly life skills, right? That's some of the things that we could and should be doing as adult men is looking out for the next generation, building them up, encouraging them, right? Again, this is playing out in this movie. He finally figures out that these are a bunch of kids And he has to act more like a father figure than a commanding officer. And to a degree, he figures it out. And then when he figures it out, he gets rewarded. I think he went to Fort Benning, which I guess would be a heck of a promotion. Long story short here, folks. Yes, it's a fun movie. It was an enjoyable movie. It's definitely worth a one-time sit-through. You should go do that. But in the context of the bigger picture, in the context of other things going on in the world, I couldn't help but relate it to those because it's unavoidable. It's real. It's now. It's there. We can't disconnect completely. We can't just ignore the world around us. We have to be aware of the things that are going on and what we can do about them. And just this this little movie that I enjoyed and it brought back, you know, uh, multiple other movies, right? I mean, even to a lesser extent, you could you could pull in taps. It might have influenced that or it might have influenced. Uh, what was it? Toy Soldiers. Right. These are different movies that took place when I was a kid in the 80s. And, and of course, the biggest you know movie that impressed me at that point was Red Dawn. I mean, but again. You can't you can't ignore some of the reality coming out of Heartbreak Ridge. Right which was definitely a harder version of this, right? You can't ignore the, the realities of what came out of a, a Full Metal Jacket. Now, look, that's a mixed bag uh, movie. But that first portion while they're in boot camp, man, that scared the 
stuff out of me when I was thinking, boy, is that what boot camp's going to be like? Now, granted, it was Marines and it was during Vietnam, but how could you not look at that and go, oh my gosh, what in the world? But again, are we there? Are we even able to field a number of recruits or volunteers that are willing to do what is necessary? You know, I've talked about the idea that Solzhenitsyn, Solzhenitsyn put through where he referenced the idea that when they were in their cells, they couldn't help but wonder if they would have just fought back, if they had put it to the position where the people that were coming to collect them, that their families had to worry about them coming home at night rather than them cowering in their closets at night, if they couldn't have put an end to the whole problem. Now he puts it a lot more eloquently in written form and you should check it out. But that's something I, I keep close to me. It's, it's a very valid question. And that's why I always caution anybody that listens to me, anybody that I talk to, don't do anything foolish. Don't go starting anything. Don't think that you alone or your friends are going to change the world. You're not. Not, not in that way, right? 12 men did change the rule, but they didn't do it with AR-15s. There is a way to fight back. There is an appropriate way to fight back. And I got to tell you, the vast majority of that is not going to be using AR-15s or anything like that. Words, actions, short of physical violence, hopefully, you know, great marketing. These are all different things that we can do that don't get us into a position where we can't get out of it. Or at least that's my hope. That's my prayer that we're not that far gone yet. And with that, this has been According to Callus. It is short, I know, but I'll be back tomorrow talking about those term limits. And with that, I will see you on the other side.